On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Hi, ever wonder what it's like to face a 350-pound lineman who wants to smash you into the ground? I know what that feels like. Scott Mitchell here, and I want to tell you about my podcast, Helmets Off, where I talk about the pressures of being an NFL quarterback and some of the other pressures pro athletes face when the helmet is off. It's a podcast, and you can get it free on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and at kslsports.com. E-commerce has made huge, huge, it's unbelievable how different e-commerce is now than it was 10 years ago when I started. Um, it's primarily now, obviously, completely do- dominated by Amazon, and it, it really is fascinating to see how much they've forced other e-commerce companies to adapt and change just to even stay relevant. Um, when, when we started at steals.com, there was no sort of out-of-the-box um, Shopify e-commerce shopping cart solution. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got Jana Francis. Jana, thanks for making time. Thanks for having me. I look forward to it. So, started steals.com. This is your first business, and uh, you managed to bootstrap it, start it in your basement, and it grows into something that does $92 million in sales over the last 10 years. And, uh, <laughs> you know, any business that lasts 10 years, especially a first time business, is something that's definitely beating the odds. What, uh, what do you attribute beating the statistics to? Oh, wow. You know, looking back, I would have to say, and seeing so many other businesses fail, there's a few things um, that I would attribute it to. One is just absolute grit and the um, inability to give up. I mean, I refuse to give up. um, And so, you know, that alone um, and just trying to, you know, see um, through every obstacle that comes your way, which, of course, over the last 10 years have been many, many, many obstacles, but just really not you know, accepting failure and just saying, of course, we're going to get through this. So that's one. And then two, um, I would actually have to say, in my case, I have um, a business partner that I started um, three weeks before I launched the business. I uh, brought him in unexpectedly. But one of the things I've, I've noticed over the last 10 years, especially in the CPG business, like meaning uh, consumer product goods, which is a lot of the companies that we work with as a retailer, I see these businesses have incredible ideas, amazing products, even great sales, but they fail because the business partners don't get along. And I have somehow, some way, my business partner and I, um, his name is Rhett Clevenger, we have um, formed a great, very high trusting relationship over the last 10 years. And um, that is one thing that I think has made us almost bulletproof to some degree in that, um, you know, we just found a way to, um, really have a solid partnership and not allow, um, you know, that to pull us apart, which um, can, or pull the company apart, which absolutely can quite often. Um, And then the other thing is just absolute and total hard work. Um, 
we work harder than most. And it, you know, when I say that, I just mean, you know, so many people think being an entrepreneur is so sexy and fun, but at the end of the day, you really um, work nonstop. It, you don't, your work follows you everywhere you go, especially when you're the leader of the business. It, um, you know, you just kind of select the hours of work that, or uh, the, the times of the day that you're working, but it's really, um, it, it, it's nonstop and it, and it hasn't stopped in 10 years, but you just have to really be that passionate about what you do and believe in it as that much to dedicate such a huge portion of your life to it. Sure. And you guys do some things different as far as employment and who you employ and how you employ. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. That's evolved tremendously over the last 10 years. Um, and it's almost come full circle to a degree. But it's really interesting. The first year, as, as you mentioned earlier, uh, we bootstrapped the effort and my partner and I didn't pay ourselves. I was actually still moonlighting for a portion of it, um, for a portion of the first year, I was um, at KSL.com uh, and KSL News Radio at the time when I had the idea for the business and just thought it would be, you know, I'd, I'd start it and work on it on nights and weekends. Um, but so I moonlighted for the first five months um, and we didn't pay ourselves for the first year at all because we were focused on, you know, trying to get the company to be profitable and, and not pay ourselves until we were. And as we started hiring, you know, in our second and third year, we grew tremendously and hired at one point at our height, I think we had 78 employees. And at first it was a mixture of certain departments working from home and certain departments not because obviously being in e-commerce, we, at the time we had, a, you know, a pretty decent sized warehouse down by the airport. And of course we had to have employees that, you know, worked in the office, but, um, as we started, when we first um, really started hiring um, certain positions like customer service, merchandising, and those kinds of things, we didn't have an office. We had a warehouse, and the warehouse didn't have an office when we first started hiring. And so the culture was work from home, work from home. And pre the, the main, aside from the warehouse, even though we did have quite a bit of, um, the warehouse was probably half female, half male, um, but the majority of the employees that we were hiring um, for the main positions in the company were female, primarily because that's what our target audience has always been, is catering towards you know, women shoppers online. And we always, I, had, I have a true passion in a couple things um, as far as employment and hiring, and one of them is hiring your customers. Um, we have such a unique culture and company that, um, and as far as, um, you know, what we catered, the type of um, person we catered to. And there was no better way to make sure that our customer service department related to our customers than hiring our customers. And our customers, for the most part, were moms that were, you know, some were working outside the home, but the majority of them were not. And so um, I was literally handpicking a lot of our employees from our customer base by really only advertising our job uh, openings to our customers in the Salt Lake area, although we had customers, you know, all over North America, many in Canada as well. It was, you know, primarily in Utah. And I stuck to only hiring in Utah because of Nexus, of course, but there's many people I would have hired outside of Utah had Nexus not been a thing. But um, so at first it was really this kind of, um, a, if you weren't a warehouse employee, you got to work from home. And um, I was able to, you know, really help um, a lot of these women create careers, create, um, you know, 
money for themselves and 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 many of them it was their first jobs as well not i shouldn't say first jobs but real first jobs since they started having kids and it, it really i think empowered them and, and they were all completely fantastic it was it was absolutely wonderful while it was wonderful um and then once we grew and grew and grew it got to the point where we had it was just absolutely impossible to schedule a meeting it was impossible to get everybody to come into work at the same time to have a staff meeting or to um you know um to get people together to collaborate and coordinate and it, it got to where i spent more time trying to gather people together at the same time um and it we were um not the company wasn't um as efficient as it should have been because of the the work at home environment and i learned a lot of lessons from that and as i look back 10 years later um i definitely would have not necessarily not had people work from home but i would have completely changed the expectation that that was a a right not a privilege okay so the expectation of people was that this would never change they would never have to actually come to the office and it got to the point where we had this beautiful warehouse with office space once we continued to grow and you know each individual department needed to have meetings and each you know we have needed to have company meetings and you know we we set that out in advance the company meetings are going to be this day and you have to be there but to actually um have last minute or quick meetings which you have to do in e-commerce all the time um it would have been maybe different if the work from home scenario would have been sort of like 8 to 5 but it wasn't a lot of our employees kind of picked their hours and although that was wonderful for them as the business grew it became really really hard to scale really hard to collaborate really hard to communicate we just spent more time trying to coordinate schedules than anything else and we were missing opportunities day in and day out and i was in the office every single day as soon as we got an office you know two and a half years in um and and it it created this division with our business as well where um you know we had this great culture at the office and you know the warehouse and the other people that were supporting people in the warehouse like in trafficking and you know um finance and accounting type stuff but the people that got to work from home it, it created kind of this resentment to the other people that couldn't and it it just got to the point where it wasn't worth it anymore so um and it was just again way too hard to communicate and collaborate when you're trying to move at the speed of e-commerce and also i think i think work from home scenarios work fantastic when you are um a company that kind of has a very clear level set of expectations that it's like as long as you do the following things from this time to this time you're good um and you know sort of like jetblue has a perfect package for people that want to work from home right the expectations are clear and the time is clear and those kinds of things um it, and for our the types of positions and the types of jobs and the and the speed of which we needed to react to things that were happening it wasn't working so i had to make a really tough call and ironically it was at the exact same time that um that the ceo of yahoo uh marissa meyer she actually came forward and said no more work from home positions at yahoo and we just can't collaborate and communicate at, at the degree we need to and, and and grow at the speed we need to when most of our workforce is remote and it was interesting at the time because there was articles about it everywhere and i was having to make the same decision and if anything else she reiterated for me that you know um this this kumbaya of everybody working from home is great for the employee but it's terrible for the business when you're trying to collaborate communicate so 
so I had to make the change, and that was um, that was a pillar in uh, the company's history. When you, when I look back, and I had to get, I had to have, I gave everyone the choice, you know, um, and it wasn't that they needed to come in every single day. It was that I need the majority of your work hours to be in the office, so that we can, you know, really um, react faster. We need to be more efficient. The the costs of labor were just extraordinary at the time, and it was it was out of whack. And then I knew it needed to change, so. So, um, so knowing that humans typically don't like change, especially when we feel entitled yeah. to something or we're comfortable with the way it is, yeah. Um, can you give advice for the rest of us, whether we're going through that change or another change, that knowing that it's something that may not be as exciting for staff, any just kind of lessons learned or advice for the rest of us of going through, going through change that may not be uh, as exciting for the staff? Yeah. Um I think even looking back, the advice I would give myself is just to continue to make it about the business. It wasn't about um, the fact that I'm pulling, you know, the work from home, you know, it, I mean, it was, it was, there were some up people, people were really upset that worked for me. Um, but it wasn't about the people, unfortunately, it was it, at that time, it was about, you know, I can't continue to employ you regardless. I can only employ you if, you know, being the leader, it needed to be about the numbers and, the, and what needed to keep the business going so that they could all stay employed in the first place. And I think that um, given the, the, the environment that we had had, um, it, it got very, I think, personal on their side as far as, um, you know, they, they took it as, well, maybe I'm not doing my job good enough. And so now I'm being punished. And it was, no, that's not the case in any way, shape and form. It's that we need to move faster as a group and we can get a lot more done when we're all together and able to just hop across the hall and have a conversation instead of try to call for four hours when you're at the zoo, right? Because you're working at night. So, um, and I, I also think looking back, I would have been a lot more clear that that's the situation for now, right? That as, as of right now, this is a work from home opportunity and that may change. And I need to know that you're comfortable if that does change. Um, so it, it was all about setting expectation. I think for many people, I did that. But the the ones that were that came in really, really early on, you just you don't you can't predict the future. I didn't know that we were going to grow to the the size that we that we were at the time. So it was kind of interesting. Sure. Um, well, um, thinking about the other changes, I'm sure you've gone through. Um, you, you've won all these awards and the 30 Women to Watch Utah Business and the Ernst and Young. Um, finalists and entrepreneur of the year stuff. When you think about these 10 years um, with the ups and downs of the 2008 world <laughs> meltdown, um, yeah. can you talk about the world of e-commerce? Um, you know, you've obviously been through the ups and downs as you, as you look at the next, as the next year's coming, what, what do you feel like maybe folks who aren't in it full time might not see? Yeah. So e-commerce has made huge huge it's unbelievable how different e-commerce is now than it was 10 years ago when i started um it's primarily now obviously completely do dominated by amazon and it it really is fascinating to see how much they've forced other e-commerce companies to adapt and change just to even stay relevant um when when we started at steals.com there was no sort of out of the box um shopify e-commerce shopping cart solution right there was no um, really inventory management software. There wasn't, you know, um, it, there really wasn't the technology to just plug and play as there is now. 
for e-commerce. And we had to write our own homegrown system. We had to sort of daily update HTML. I mean, it was, it was um, you know, the technology has evolved tremendously. And so it's never been easier to start an e-commerce business ever. I mean, it is, you can have a website up and running in an hour and you could be drop shipping a product from overseas and never even touch the product. That being said, it has never been more difficult to compete. And I see a lot of people right now, oh, you know, I see the ads just because I'm in e-commerce, so I get targeted ads all the time by people trying to um, target e-commerce business owners, not realizing that it's actually a real e-commerce business. It's not like sort of one of those, you know, uh, you know, triple resellers, if you will. But, but I see so many people think that it's going to be this um, beautiful way to make money and, and sitting on the beach and, you know, uh, just drop shipping with overload or whatever it's called. Um, but I also see so many of those people spend so much money on Facebook ads. And the only one that really wins in the end of the day there is, is Facebook because it's just, they're just kind of sort of paper thin, um, you know, pop-up shops. And so I think that the real winners in e-commerce are going to be those that over the years create true brands, whether it be you're in e-commerce because you created a product and you're selling that product through your own website or because you are a retailer that is promoting other people's products, which is, you know, what we do, but that has a brand that's really focused on growing that, you know, retail environment. Yeah. Can, and, you, can you talk about that with the pressure from Amazon? What's your differentiator? Yeah. So the, the main differentiator that we've had from day one is that it's, it's a very simple shopping experience for a mom. I created the business simply because I was, you know, and this is, again, when e-commerce was very infantile, no pun intended, um, way back in 2005, six, when I was pregnant with my third child and I was looking for the best place online to, um, you know, find the hip and trendy stuff, you know, because as I mentioned, I was at KSL.com. I had a great career in media um, here in Utah, and I finally had the opportunity to sort of spoil a baby. It had been six years since I had had a baby, and I was, you know, really excited. So I'm, I'm shopping online to try to find all the latest and greatest products, but it was hard to even find the dimensions of a stroller or a picture of the inside of a diaper bag. And e-commerce was just, you know, for women, it was not very um, involved as of yet. So I kept thinking, oh, you know, I'm a busy mom. I, I just want to be able to quickly look at something online and, and, and have somebody curate for me what's hip and trendy. Keep me in the know of a really great product and then um, give it to me at a great deal. And then suck me back in the next day and give me something totally different and new. And so that's how we started 10 years ago with babysteals.com was our first uh, website in the steals.com family. Um, just totally catering toward a new baby product every single day at a really great price and going in depth on why that product is, is interesting um, for the mom. And then of course we expanded to kids steals and scrapbook steals and she steals, which is all for women. Um, but our biggest differentiator on the surface is simply that um, you can come have a look at what it is that we're showing you and, you know, and off you go, right. You either buy it or you don't um, 90. So we're more of a curator and Amazon is just a transaction. I mean, 93% of sales on Amazon are from a search. 
you already know what you wanted in the first place. You already knew what you wanted. You just either plugged in the UPC code of that vacuum bag that you needed placements for, or you saw somebody curating what the cool deals were on Amazon that day or whatever. But mo for the most part, again, most transactions on Amazon happen in that search bar. And we are completely the opposite. Only, I think it's like 15% of our transactions are from our search bar. And the rest are from what we're pushing. So meaning, here's the daily deal today. And so that's, that's one of our differentiations. I mean, just, well, that's the main one. It's just that we're more of discovery and curation, and they're just more like, here's every single thing in the entire world that you could possibly buy, you know? Um, the other thing is for us, we work, for the most part, directly with the brand maker. So if we're selling Aerosoft sandals, which we are today, we worked directly with Aerosoft on that promotion. Whereas Amazon, most often, well, in many cases, I should say, they'll have thousands and thousands and thousands of sellers selling this exact same thing. Some is authentic and some is not. And that is um, the number one problem in retail right now. Literally, the number one problem is counter counterfeits on Amazon. Um, you have no way as a consumer to know if that's fake. And as soon as Amazon opened up um, third-party um, shipping, meaning, um, or I shouldn't say third-party shipping, what I mean is, um, for Chinese factories to ship directly to U.S. consumers. As soon as that happened, the counterfeit problem went through the roof, and it's a huge problem for brands. And so you could go to steels.com and buy Aerosoft sandals, and they're going to be shipped to you by Aerosoft, and you're going to know that those are authentic. You could go to Amazon and type in Aerosoft, and you'll find 8,000 listings for the same thing. You have absolutely no way to navigate or know which ones are real and which ones are not. And it's, um, it's a big problem. So that's another differentiator with us is that yeah. um, if you buy something from steels.com, it is absolutely authentic. And if for some strange reason someone got it through me and it's not, we will cancel the seller. You know, I, we've actually never had it happen, though, so just so you know that. But um, if it did, I would move, you know, mountains to make sure it never happened again. And, and so we're just very I'm, – I'm just not going to allow, um, you know, counterfeit products. I've spent 10 years promoting – brands and that's the, my favorite thing to do it's what i love i love to give people an amazing value meaning a great product at a great price um and and, and a quality product something that's gonna you know the shoes that you buy for your kids on steels.com they're gonna last you through all of your kids right and and you could probably resell them at the end of that in you know facebook marketplace um and get half the price you paid for them. I mean, it's just, so I like to sell really good value. And I'm not talking like luxury. I'm talking, you know, the, the, the space that we really fall into is kind of the types of things you'd find at Nordstrom or Costco, right? As a consumer, um, you know, branded, branded high quality products that are absolutely ridiculously priced, um, you know, that, that kind of a thing. But um, the, other, the other really big impact Amazon has made on, um, on the other e-commerce companies is, is that, um, their, their pricing algorithms are just, it's, it can be pretty difficult. So, um, you know, like I said, a lot of the products can be counterfeit. And so when somebody goes to steals and sees, um, you know, at one point we had a specific diaper bag and ours were, um, or I'm sorry, um, it was, they were Michael Kors bags. And ours were the best price online the day before we checked, right? I mean, because we do. We, we don't put it up unless it's the best price online. And we worked directly with the people that were authorized to sell um, Michael Kors bags on the promotion. And we were really excited about having such an awesome brand on the site. And 
within an hour and a half, the price had dumped on Amazon, even less, but the bags on Amazon were fake and the bags on steals.com were authentic. And so that it's just a heartbreaker, right? And it's not just impacting my company, it was impacting all of e-commerce and if anything else, what it's impacting worse is the brands. It's the product inventors and the creators that work so hard to create an amazing product and then um, it's so easy for a Chinese factory to knock them off and then resell under their name and their photos and everything. And they ship direct to U.S. consumers. It's, it's a big problem. So, that's so a, I, that was a long way of telling you my differentiation. But sure. Well, and, and as we close up here, the, the first half of the interview, um, when you think about the rapid change of, of all types of businesses these days, um, less so much the actual tactical things that you're doing to get the word out about your products are authentic and, and kind of this differentiator that you've got over, say, your, your big competitor, the Amazon of the world. Um, as far as a mindset of adapting and overcoming, this is obviously something that, that uh, you come at. Any, any advice of, of where you get your inspiration? Is there a book that you love? Is there, is there someone you look up to as the mindset to adapt and overcome as the world changes? Gosh, you know what? Um, that's a good question because I'm not, I hate to admit it, but I'm not much of a book reader. I'm a, I'm a listener. I listen to a lot of podcasts and everything, but just kind of, um, yeah, passive. I, so there's not necessarily a book that's like been my mindset, nor is there an individual necessarily that I um, would say has inspired a ton. However, the two people I find myself repeatedly going back to read on my own time, meaning, um, you know, that I, they're not pushing the content to me as much as I'm going out to seek it out as Seth Godin and, and Gary Vaynerchuk is they're kind of a big pendulum swing there. But, um, um, because a lot of my business has been centered around, you know, how really amazing customer service and Seth just kind of epitomizes, um, he's just, you know, he's yeah, the man. Great. <laughs> so, yeah. So I would say that, you know, Seth is definitely one that I, uh, look to that kind of always has incredible advice. And then Gary is just more of like, no BS, get it done. It's not impossible. You know, anybody, anybody can do it if you put in the work type stuff. And sometimes being on uh, an entrepreneur and being the leader, um, there's really, you know, sometimes you need, not that I need motivation. I'm very passionate. I, I, I am very self-driven in every way. But Gary kind of hypes me up sometimes um, when I need it. <laughs> Love it. Well, let's end there. Um, this is great, everybody. Please tune back into uh, the second half of our interview with Jenna.